Blunt Force Podcast. All right, stop. Not you too, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you got to say. Go ahead. Why is this white guy like public enemy? Know your history. Know the motivation behind people. And be able to say, nah, we're not doing that anymore. That is why I love public enemy. That is a viewpoint I share. Don't have to be black to share that viewpoint. I also grew up in a very diverse community. So we were always challenging the norms from outside. And uh, I was a drummer in drumline. And the drumline was nine black guys, two white guys, and a Filipino dude. And uh, we just love challenging each other, challenging race. And we also love polyrhythms. And Public Enemy, Fight the Power, came out in 89. I think it was a sophomore in high school. My God, that is the most dynamic, amazing music. Apocalypse 91, Enemy Strikes Black is still my favorite album of all time. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
Podcast Radio, man. We are down at Burbank, California, the beautiful Burbank, California. Man, I got a gentleman with me right now, Glenn Dunswiler, man. Thank you for coming out, for sitting down with me at Blumforth Podcast Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Uh, man, we were sitting out here talking, man, about all the stuff that you had going on, man. Uh, but you just now getting back into really going on, man, because for some things, for some reason, man, you keep getting hit by cars, man, now. <laughs> How yeah, many times? How many times have you been hit by cars? All right, on what vehicles? Yeah, 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 yeah. So four times I have had collisions with cars. Two times they pulled out in front of me in my lane, and then two times they just straight up ran into me. <laughs> so, so yeah, and and all but uh, I would say, well, three of the four times really messed me up um, physically. Mm. One time, fortunately, it was just my bike, but it it I tell you it. It messes with you. It, this one happened uh, January fifth, twenty twenty two, and it laid me out. It changed because my whole life was wrapped around riding that motorcycle at the at that moment. I had made I was making now money using that motorcycle. I was uh, that was my way to get around town. My health was wrapped around. I mean, obviously, you ride a motorcycle, you put your body out there, and then so when she pulled out in front of me and or hit me. And uh, flipped me bull riding style, man. She she wrecked my bike and my ability to make money and my ability to walk. So yeah, I just I've I've been this past year plus just fighting to get my life back. Now, uh, for people that don't know, man, uh, let the people know what actually what uh, that 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 you do in uh, production or uh, in film or uh, writing. Because right now, because you have uh, documentaries on. Amazon Prime, yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure during that time when you got hit by that car, it stopped a lot of things that you were doing. Yeah, so I call myself a filmmaker, producer, entrepreneur. And what that means is I make stuff, and then I try to make that stuff make money. And uh, I, in 2010, I had made a documentary about homelessness across the U.S., but I didn't know the business side of entertainment. And so in 2015, I moved to Los Angeles to really learn the business side of entertainment. 
And that's when I secured distribution for that documentary. So that's why it's on Amazon Prime. And then since then, I'm just trying to do public speaking, telling stories, making short films, making, developing, we're developing uh, Deuce, which is our next, uh, my next big feature film. And all the time, we're looking at the business model of how this is going to make money. So it's very entrepreneurial. You, you're you're looking for investors. You're looking for people that are willing to buy into the projects that you develop, that I develop. And I do stuff, live stuff, because I have a theatrical background. But I also do film stuff. So I've got things in the works all the time. Sometimes it's public speaking. Sometimes it's promoting the books I've written. Sometimes it's the storytelling events. And... It's all just building into hopefully a bigger business model of of making money doing producing these creative works. Well, what you had going on right now, uh, since we're getting back on your feet, you were telling me about these these storytelling uh, activities that that you're starting to put yourself around, and uh, where it has a lot of people going, which I think is a great idea, and hopefully I'll be able to join in on a couple. Tell people about the because uh, you were talking about the one reveal, yeah. uh, a storytelling show. Yeah, so well, I think it's a pretty good idea actually. Yeah, so storytelling exists. It's around uh, in the format that I'm talking about that we're talking about. Think of it like stand-up comedy, except instead of it just needing to be funny and you always just going for the funny. One performer is telling a singular story that can last anywhere from one minute to 15 minutes, and it doesn't have to be funny. It can be funny and sad and dramatic and exciting, but you're not just trying to make people laugh. You're trying to make people immersed into a story so they feel whatever you feel, whatever journey they go on, whatever journey you're taking them on. And it's just you and a mic up on stage so it's really scaled down i love the fact that it's just raw it's open it's people sharing their experiences and so in la i got hooked into storytelling about 2017 or so and then started a storytelling show of my own in 2019 and then covid hit and then i got hit (laughs) so so, you know now we're, we're just getting back to that but the nice thing about after COVID is there there are a lot of storytellers in Los Angeles that were chomping at the bit to get back into it. And uh, it's usually the storytellers have other lives. So they're not just trying to make it as storytellers. They don't need to make money as storytellers. So the business model isn't as harsh and it's not as competitive and it's, we can be more supportive. So, storytellers after COVID just started popping off and producing their own shows. So my friend Erica Bloomfield has this show called Revealed that's in Glendale uh, once a month. My friend Frank Trainer has a show called It's Funny Now that plays in Santa Monica uh, once a month. And so there are these different shows that are that are that are going and they all have kind of different vibes depending on the host. And they go after different things like Frank's It's Funny Now. It's obviously stories that weren't funny when they happened to you. But you look back on them now and you can tell them and they're funny. Uh, Erica's revealed is you're revealing something about you. But she it's also kind of a 
an open format of where storytellers can can bring in whatever they want. Sometimes you have themed events, so I'm I'm producing one. the The storytelling event that I started in 2019 was called Frank Honest Stories No Rules, and uh, that was kind of an open one as well, kind of like Erica's, where you just have whatever the storytellers want to tell, they tell. There's no real theme, but. Uh, my friend was telling a story about her getting arrested and how it really messed with her mind. And then I had a story about me getting arrested and how it messed with my messed with my mind and and how it messed with your mind actually. Because when I told you, you're the only yeah. one that I told for the first for the first like two three years after it happened. And then um, <laughs> so then I I told that in 2019 2018. And I saw some similarities, and I just thought. And then there, I've been, we have another story of telling a friend that has some stories about being incarcerated or being held or being, you know, um, being under surveillance. And so, the whole idea of an authority figure deciding who you are for you and you fighting through that and trying to define your own identification. I thought, oh, we're I'm going to do that. So this coming April, I haven't figured out the date yet. It's going to be in early April. Frank on the stories is coming back and it's going to be called arrested. And it's going to be with my, my couple friends that have these stories. And then also we're getting some other stories in there as well. Hey man, that's, that's dope, man. Cause like I said, um, I, that's, that's, that's something that, I, that you put in a lot of, a lot of people around you, man, with similar interests, man. And with the writing, I bet you that could open a whole bunch of doors and just, just meeting people. I think that's, that's a great group. It's just pretty much yeah. like y'all club hopping, but y'all just, you know, doing doing uh, written written stand up. But even if if it's not funny, it could be dramatic. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think th- I think that's the the new phrase. I mean, new wave really, because a lot of people, especially at, after COVID, got a lot of stuff on their chest. Yeah. And we all go through the same shit. It's just different. You know, yeah. we just we just different, but it's still the same. So. Yeah. I think that's a great idea, man. Yeah. Hell and, yeah. And the storytelling community is very much a community. It's it's not it's people that support each other and I would consider since moving to LA in 2015, I was always looking for my people, whoever mm-hmm. my people were, mm-hmm. and finding the storytellers in Los Angeles and seeing what they're doing and they're putting their their emotions and their thoughts and their experiences out there for other people to live vicariously through them. I was like, oh yeah, that's what I want to do and that's what I who I want to be around. So yeah, they're the storytellers now, are uh, awesome. issue that I'm having out here and I asked you about this before, man, it's like the is there any black people down there? <laughs> Cause that's the hard thing I'm having to find black people as far as in production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L.A., uh, where do you keep your black people at, man, right? <laughs> please come out. Uh, I'm going to find y'all, though. You can mark my words because they got to be out here. Yeah. Um, what I noticed, Los Angeles, because you don't need a certification to be a filmmaker, to be an actor, to be a creative person, to be a writer. So there is no way anybody who doesn't know you knows that you are good at what you do, right? Other people, like if you're a doctor, you know you went to med school. If you're a lawyer, you pass the bar. If you, you right, we have these checks. We're like, oh, okay, that guy's straight up. That guy. Well, in entertainment, you don't have that. So what happens is people get their foot in and then they just start hiring their friends because they know their friends are straight up and they're not going to screw them. You know, because if you can, if you, if you have a, if you're on set, 
one person can mess the whole day up for everybody, mm-hmm. which it can just cascade into thousands and thousands, millions of dollars very quickly. So you want to surround yourself by people that you with people that you like and you can guarantee aren't going to screw your life up. So you ha- start hiring friends and people you know. Well, that that's really insular. And then if you didn't grow up with black friends, if you didn't grow up, right, if you didn't grow up with Hispanic friends, well, then you aren't bringing black people in. You aren't bringing, bringing Hispanic people in. So the only way that, let's say, anybody, any any minority, any you know person of color or any, let's say, gay person or whatever it is, the only way that they get in is if they have a friend that's in, (laughs) you know? And then, so it's very, it's very hard that way. And there's no, it, it's, it's an old boys network. I mean, Los Angeles entertainment is an old boys network, not just not, not in the, in, in the traditional sense of these like um, big, you know, oil barons or whatever, (laughs) but, but it's still the same people that know the same people that know the same people. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a yeah. struggle. It's 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 crazy out here in L.A., man. But uh, but uh, I love it out here, man. Um, now uh, now you getting hit by cars because it seems like every time you get hit by cars, at least the last two times, something I ain't gonna well something to you made something out of it. Something's coming out now. Like right now, you're starting to come out of this this one, and yeah. you're starting to uh uh hope well. Starting to stretch out to, like I said, all these different type of crowds and different type of people. Yeah, that they were that wasn't available. I was, I was this available a couple of years ago, even before COVID. Well, always, but in a different way. And also, I throw my story in as interest and to make extra connections. You know, I mean, we connected early on, and especially on the the film, which I will continue to talk about that we're developing deuce because your story is very much kind of like my story is you roll with what you have and then you move forward no matter what. And you just have that choice and you could be sad and you could stop and you could regret or you could, but, but instead we all, we, we, we say life is an obstacle course. You playing like <laughs> that, that's it. You just, so I get yeah, hit by a car. I, I get hit by a car. All right. Now what? I'm I'm not rolling over and dying, so I'm not dead yet. What what can I do? How can I do this? And uh, that's uh, hell yeah, yeah, man. yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, coming out uh, of Burbank, man. Coming out of Burbank, California, man. So I want to get back to so the shows, man. Uh, you actually had a that you actually had a show called Why Homeless and you said it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's a documentary yeah. about homelessness across the US. What was the what was the process? What was the process of getting that on Amazon right. Prime? I mean that sounds Yeah, yeah. So Amazon Prime That and sounds I, incredible to me, really. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it. So the process for distribution has changed and will continue to change as technology changes mm-hmm. in the past 10, 15 years, the game has changed three or four times, right? So I got, I moved to LA on the back of Netflix at first was letting in everything because they wanted everything on their platform. And Amazon had just kind of started. It was, it, it wasn't known as a, it was like a leftover streaming platform. It wasn't a real platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I moved to Los Angeles, I had made the film and I was trying to do these 
small four wall grassroots events where I just screen it wherever I was, but it wasn't getting any publicity, wasn't getting anywhere. And I just thought, well, how do I distribute this on, on a platform where everyone can, can see it. And there was YouTube in 2015, but that was for free. Right. And you're thinking, well, how is anybody going to make money off of the money I've spent in this? Am I going to make money or is anybody like who, what is the business model for this? Do I just give this out? Because when you give things for free, people don't expect a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I put a lot of heart and soul and, and effort and it's a good movie. It's like, well, is this a movie that should be for free for everybody just out there? That was a good question. So I what I did is when I moved to Los Angeles. I started going to network events and I would just like ask everyone, I was like, how do you make money? How do you make money? How do you make money? <laughs> and then I was at this networking event and I was telling this dude, cause I have an interesting background, right? I make a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff I've made to include this documentary. And I was talking to him and he said, well, I work for a distribution company, a movie distribution company. We, we distribute documentaries. And, and I was talking to him about it and he said, I think I want to see your doc. I think we might want to distribute your documentary. Just complete LA story where, you know, it's just happenstance. You're walking down the street. Someone says, I want you in my movie. You know, that's, that's the way, that's the way it works. Cause again, back to the idea that it's a closed, it is a closed club. Like they don't, they'll let you in if they see some way that you can forward their career. Right. So that it's like you get hired because they want their project to be successful and they think you'll be a good part in their project. So this distributor thought my movie would be a good, uh, a good title for them to have. And so we went through that and then they decided to distribute. Now I've never seen any money from it, unfortunately, but at least I can then say now, Hey, I am a, film director legit distributed by a legit distributor (laughs) cinema libre they're in hollywood or they're in los angeles they're here in in burbank and they do stuff for real and so um, that just helps you in your visibility for building on the next project on the next project on the next project it's like that was my um, that was my ticket to that I got to give something away. There's always this idea that like you got to give something away before you start earning, you know. And I, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's if you if you don't if you if you cannot do that, that's that's awesome too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You never lied about that, man. Uh, the white homes, man. Because I I really want to touch on that, man. Because that's a that's a hell of a topic, man. Why homeless now? Why? Why, why why did you want to do a documentary like that? Yeah. So I bought a house in 2005, sorry, 2006 in Riverside. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2008, the housing crisis happened. And Riverside was actually one of the, the hardest hit. So it's all that subprime loans. Uh, we had a huge financial crisis. And even though I was working for UC Riverside, I was a lecturer for the the theater department, the resident lighting and sound designer and a lecturer, um, they had to make cutbacks at work. And so they were cutting me back at work. And so I called my bank and I said, hey, I'm not going to be able to make my mortgage in like three months because they're cutting me back at work and I, I just don't make enough. 
And they said, well, we won't even talk to you until you stop paying us. I was like, what? <laughs> so wait, I have to default on my loan before you even pay, talk to me? And they said, yeah. And then I realized, well, if I default on my loan, that means I ruined my credit. And I remember living in apartments and they needed to do a credit check. And so now you're telling me that I'm a guy that has a job at a university. I'm arguably a professor. I went through, um, I'm an upstanding member of society. I'm a homeowner. And now you're telling me I'm going to become homeless. And so I, I started doing research into who homeless people were, how they got there. And then I once I found out who who people were that became homeless and how they became homeless, I decided, oh, man, this needs to be a documentary. And because of my background in lighting and sound and just my I could embrace technology, I could I didn't I wasn't trained in cameras, but I thought I can figure this out. I know what it needs to look like and I know what it needs to sound like and I'll just work backwards. And so I figured it out. And then I'm I I had I built a budget for myself and I went out and I shot the whole thing on my own. But because I knew it needed to look and sound a certain way, it's it's well done for one guy doing everything, you know, mm-hmm. and good enough to get distribution. Like they saw it and they were like, this is. Yeah. And you shot and edited everything. Yeah, yeah I did everything from front to back. I mean, I and I shot it for. So I bought what I do. All right. It's about it was about ten thousand dollars cash that I used to go around the country and I didn't pay for the interviews. Um, I just got interviews from people that wanted to talk to me. I talked to to homeless people and homeless service providers, so people that help the homeless. So I didn't pay for those interviews, but it was gas for me to get across the country. It was food. I was out for a month. I I played homeless in my car. Like I slept in my car and just tried to figure out how how homeless people lived. And so I spent about ten grand to make the thing, and also I bought. I bought about five grand in equipment, so we're looking at about fifteen grand to make it. And then I spent a year editing it on my own. You know, I paid uh, Final. I taught myself Final Cut Pro, and I just started editing it. And then I also, because I I knew I couldn't be stranded out there, I used what credit I had to buy a new car. So then I used that car to go out across the country. And so we're we're talking, you know, if we roll the price of that car, you know, forty grand, Mini Cooper, Clubman, into that, you know, we're looking like production cost. I spent about fifty grand on it, and then um, to get distributed, distributed, I had to make sure the 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 film was clean, and so all that legal process, and to make sure that no one's going to sue me, and to make sure it really looked good and sounded good, as far as. Hollywood was concerned and as far as my distributor was concerned cost me another 12 grand so you know I'm in it probably let's say 70 grand some 50 70 grand something like that Mm -hmm. that's my price for being a legitimate filmmaker right so hopefully I don't have to spend 50 to 70 grand for free to not earn money in the future but at least that yeah key key phrase to not earn money (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the thing you really want to do that I didn't do is you make the film for somebody that wants to see it. What I did is I made it for me because it needed to happen, but I didn't have a built-in audience then. So it was a struggle of, well, it's already made. 
just give it to me. Maybe I don't want to see it. I don't know. I, I don't care that it gets made. You know, other people didn't care. So what you do as a, as a successful documentary filmmaker is you find funders, funders that want a story told, that they want a certain documentary. And so maybe you don't get to choose as a filmmaker, you don't get to choose what the subject is, or you have possible subjects that other people care about and other people want you to make, because then they'll pay you for it and they'll pay to make it, to, to get it made. Does that make sense? Instead of just doing it on your own. Cause if you do it on your own, like I did, I, I was lucky just to get distribution because it was already made. Who cared they, the, my distributor didn't want it. They just thought, Oh wait, Maybe we can make some money off this if we distribute it. We can sell it to these certain. We can sell it to Amazon Prime to show it, and so they they probably made a little bit of money on it. But um, that's the the whole thing I didn't learn is the business model of of filmmaking, and that's the thing I've been learning since 2015. I know how to make the thing. I don't know how to make money off the thing, or I don't. I didn't know, and now I know. So yeah, that's. That's how you get into it. Is now with uh now how do you now not try not to dive too deep, just in the state of California, or the area that that you around? Cause I the, the homeless. How you feel about the homeless? Is it is it is it fixed? Is it what to do about it? Is, I, I don't even want to use the word fixable. Right. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. cause I feel like I've been bamboozled when I moved to California. I ain't know. I mean. Just downtown LA. I mean, man, man. I mean, I love California. I love Los Angeles, but damn, I ain't yeah, know yeah. it was that bad, man. You know, so LA has two things. It has weather, which people mm-hmm. didn't do. Right. Mother <laughs> Nature did that. And it has opportunity, but opportunity comes with a price. So you're living life on the edge. Mm-hmm. trying to make it you have the opportunity to make it but there's no necessarily easy way to guarantee that you're not going to go homeless and because of that los angeles has a lot of homeless people because now well now you got a whole different versions of homelessness but the yeah. homeless i'm thinking about is one that's on the on 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 sleeping on the sidewalks pretty much yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. you know now you got people buying vans and just yeah, don't, yeah. don't even want no apartment no more which i can kind of understand really if you give me a kitchen and somewhere used to bathroom, I'll, that's all I need, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Well, I travel the world, but like you know, man, man, it's gotta be because I've been through a lot, man. But I don't think I can ever just shack, just shut it down on the sidewalk and pitch a tent, yeah, and just sit there. You know, I mean, I just that is, I don't know, man. That that is, but yeah, the weather is a huge issue, especially when they you see some homeless people out there in the, in the fields with yeah. all the tents and. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. It's just, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's three things. I always say the big things are family and community. So if you notice, what I've noticed is going out, running into homeless people. It's either a white or a black thing in the U.S. So it's not too much of a Hispanic thing, and it's not too much of an Asian thing because those cultures don't let their people go homeless, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if there's 12 people who got to sleep in a room. Berto's not going homeless or whatever it is, right? You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that's not going to happen. So that keeps people inside at least. I mean, your life inside, maybe you're just skating by, but at mm-hmm. least you don't have the the problems of homelessness. You At least you got a bathroom. At least you got a kitchen area. And then 
so your family and community pick up slack when you can't succeed on your own. Mm-hmm. And you also, it helps you spread. So you, you can't make rent, but you and five others can make rent. You know, that's, that's how it gets done until you can make rent on your own. But the American dream is, you know, I got a kid and I'm, I'm responsible to, for them till they're 18 and then get out, you know, get your own, get your own, make your own way, you know, and that's, it, that, that mentality has turned a lot of people to setting them up to fail, right? We have kids to not support them. And uh, that's what I see is family and community, like just dropped off. People don't have family and community to support them yeah. when they fall down. And then the other thing, especially in California, realty has turned into an investment. It's no longer, shelter is no longer just a place where you can get out of the elements. It is turned into an investment opportunity for passive income for other people. So we have kind of invested our way out of shelter. There's no affordable housing for people. You can't make, rent here is on average what's for a one bedroom studio, maybe 1600, 1700 a month. Ridiculous. Yeah. How are you going to, you better be making enough to be able to just afford living. And a lot of people can't. So some people in frustration, they say, well, I've got a, forty thousand dollar a year job and i'm a productive member of society but i can't afford a place at forty thousand dollars a year so either i have multiple roommates or i get a van i sleep in my van and i go to work and i sleep in my van and i go to work and i sleep in my van so the economy itself has has made us grow all of these homeless people along with a lack of family and community that's what i'm seeing yeah, especially yeah, the the weather does play a huge part. Like I said, cause but you gotta be a different type of animal to do that shit in the snow. Um, I, like I, I can't speak for that, cause like I said, we in California, man. But uh, yeah, Blunt Force Podcast Radio, man. We sitting out here in Burbank, California, man. Beautiful day, man. We we'll right back, man. We are gonna play a couple of his favorite tracks, man. Blunt Force Podcast Radio.
Blunt Force Podcast Radio, man. We are back, man, with Glenn Dunsweiler. And, man, man, uh, hey, with skits and scripts, man. Um, so I want uh, so I got, I'm trying to do these skits now with Blunt Force Podcast Radio, uh, where I'm, I want to get voice actors in there. And, uh, so I got this, got these stories, man. Like, I got a, a story of four women sitting at a bar, uh, talking about robbing a bank. Uh, a white woman, a black woman, Asian woman, Mexican woman. This ain't the first time they've done it. They all love each other, but they talk about each other. But uh, and the next scene uh, it, it's actually a three part film, three part short that follows the the bartender. Um, this next scene, he's at home and he watches the news report about the the the, uh, the robbery that the, that the women pulled off. Um, and then he goes off to a second job where he's at a news broadcast, and they talk about education, uh, strict, why the lack of education is in inner cities. Um, but that's why I'm trying to do a podcast, man. And then you got going on with the, the, the storytelling. It's kind of the same thing, man. You know, like I said, you putting people around you with similar interests, and that's what I'm really into, man. I'm really deeply into that, and that's what I'm trying to do right now, which is I'm trying to put people around me with similar interests, because um, I'm on. I just don't want people around me that want to see me lose or fail, which you know I know is is kind of crazy. But um, that is uh. So now with the the arrest the arrest show now, um, you're talking about uh the skits about you getting arrested, um your friends getting arrested. Now is that gonna be the theme for every show or no? It's or a one off show. That's just, just a one off show. Yeah. Okay, and so. After the, the with the arrest thing, man, um, what else? Uh, 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 you got anything else you got going on? Yeah. So as far as getting back to building my storytelling event, my my event, Frank, honest stories, no rules. It turned out to be a a three camera showcase opportunity for storytellers. What mm. I found is storytellers didn't have didn't have they they lacked in marketing. It was like hit and miss. No one knew who what they did, how they did it. And so I, I provided an opportunity for a, for a three-camera shoot oh, yeah. for a showcase piece of theirs, like an eight-minute showcase piece. And that was the first two that I did. Oh. And I want to get back to that, but I also want to step up the production. Like, I want better cameras and oh. better lighting. For that, okay. you need money. So in the meantime, okay. Okay. you know, okay. in the meantime, I'm producing this one that it's about stuff that people don't necessarily want out on in the open unless you can control your own narrative, right? Mm. Like, I don't want to talk about my own arrest unless I get to talk about my own arrest. You don't get to talk about my own arrest, right? Right, and right, so, right. And uh, so this one is purposely not recorded. That's the other thing is now with phones and recording being so easy, mm -hmm. controlling your own intellectual property, the business side of it, is also this question that that the storytelling community hasn't really figured out yet but if you notice like i went to see you go st do stand up at the ice house and they're like mm -hmm. no recording like you can record guys stuff but you can't record anybody else's stuff because right. if you get it for free why would you pay for it right and right, so right, they, right, they right. want you need to lock down your intellectual property and so even though the storytellers are more their community, it's still their intellectual property. It's still their story that could become something else. And they need to control that. Like, we need to control Deuce and his story, right, in, in the way that it is. So Arrested, this yeah. story is just, it's like, I, I, I put it as um, 
kind of one of those those dark back alley shows where it's like look we're just going to have an honest time right now and there we have we'll have honest deniability that we ever talked about this stuff <laughs> you know that we have, but it, it's kind of that's also kind of a way of intrigue too like oh i'd like to hear these stories these crazy stories about people saying you know you're a bad person and there's no competition right there's no cuz Cause we talked about it earlier. That's that's weird to have uh, competition when you're trying to just do. Uh, I, I forgot what you called it. Uh, they, they they try and put a price on um, on, uh, on uh, I guess entertainment or or ideas. I guess. Uh, well, it, it's 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 hard for me to judge art because right, it's subjective. Right. It's Thank not you. like yeah. it's not like a race where you can tell. Okay, the person that came in at 96 seconds won over the one that was, you know, 105 seconds. Like, that's easy. That's a competition. But it's so subjective. Art is so subjective. The reason art does competitions, first place at, at the Moth Story Slam, it's marketing. You get to yeah, say, hey, yeah. I'm a Moth winner, right? right so if you right, have right. a winner, it's a marketing strategy and i i'm all for that i just don't like buying into that mm -hmm. when i invite people to tell stories i want them to feel that they get to control their own narrative they get to tell what they're they want and the reason i invited them is because they get to set their own rules i like their rules right so that's why i say no rules but it's like you're i've invited you you tell what you want to tell how you want to tell it and it's just a a a, a good it's it's an entertaining evening for the audience and there's no there's no first place second place third place although that is a strategy for other shows well yeah man but let me see what else we got going on man we, um i was sitting up here trying to figure out uh because you're getting all these people around you like i wanted to go out here and go out and start talking to these acting classes man um and get and get get them around me that's that's the crowd i'm trying to trying to bring around me um and and see if i can build a, a relationship with maybe the teachers and like a, i've said this before you know six degrees separation type thing they might know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody but i plan on hitting all the colleges and active yeah. classes um just so i can just just to get in contact with them just let them know what i'm trying to do um yeah the worst they can say is no exactly yeah and i ain't afraid to know you know everybody not gonna say no yeah. actually they want i think they want to say yes you just gotta give them a reason to say yes yeah honestly and i'm not coming you know i'm not gonna say i'm not you know i'm not trying to hurt nobody or hurt myself or uh coming for no no conflict reasons right but i'm i'm trying to hurt i'm trying to help everybody well not everybody but right I'm, you know this is not just about me you know well what and it's so look i almost went homeless trying to help the homeless Let's not do that again, right? That there, we live in a capitalist society. Hmm. Money has to be made, but you have to ask yourself what the business model is. And if you go to these students, they need the opportunity. They need showcase pieces. They need stuff. They need to work with a director. They need to work on a character. And if you need to start your skits, maybe you don't have a budget right now, but you can get to a budget and you've made that that deal as long as people understand what the deal is a lot of storytelling events we don't pay the storytellers to tell the stories because we can't we just don't have the money the 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 rooms cost 
Like I'm looking right now for for mine, and and the room's probably 150 an hour. So I'm out 300 minimum just by putting the, the story on. All I'm asking is the storytellers to come do their thing, and then if I can give them documentation and marketing, great. And then there are other places that are better off that they can they have a, a reputation, so they can fill a room that are like 200 people. And it's also a bar, so they're selling drinks. Mm-hmm. So the room is making money on drinks because people are buying drinks and they're buying tickets. And there's enough people, there's enough money left over to pay some of the performers, pay the performers. So I know one one show at least is able to at least give some kind of a token to their performers. You know, it's like 50 bucks or 100 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get there because you need to be paid for your 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 contribution it's just got the business model has to make sense right again don't go homeless trying to help the homeless like that's not that's not that doesn't help anybody no it definitely doesn't yeah it definitely doesn't yeah 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 man yeah man we in burbank california man sitting here with glenn one more time man we'll be right back man uh talk about about the film deuce finally man podcast radio you 
Force Podcast Radio, we are back, man. And we're sitting here with Glenn, and we're going to talk about this film, Deuce, man. Uh, life is an obstacle course, for sure, man. Um, Deuce is a project that uh, that we've been working on for about, what, about five, six? Yep. About five, six years. And so right now, the script is in coming out of three states, Illinois, Washington State, and California. And so... The journey is about uh, a man just trying to find himself throughout his life, like everybody, everyone's going through life trying to find himself, and he just happened to find a niche that he is definitely in love with, and he tries to ride that out like there's no no tomorrow. And um, that story, man, is, is is pretty much the background what what I went through, and I and we came with the idea about me just telling Glenn stories, and you know. Uh, and it's kind of hard, man, when I tell people this story because I don't want people to think that I'm big-headed over this. Like, this makes me big-headed or this makes me think I'm better than anybody. Nah, man, because I got a lot of friends that got a lot of stories, and I plan on telling their story. It just so happened that this is the first one that we wrote. Um, but Well, it was me. I, I, I asked for it. So the way, the way Deuce came about is I, I met Guy at CSU San Bernardino. I was teaching and he was going to school there. And uh, I was doing a film short, Lydia, and I needed a director of photography. And he's a camera guy. And it's like, hey, you want to do this? And so he was my DP. And it was we had the gr- this great working relationship. We got a good product. And then, uh, and then when I moved to L.A., he came to me and he's like, well, let's do that again. Let's do more of that. Whatever that is, let's do that more. And I said, all right. I remember you telling me some whack stories from from your life. What if we do like a story based on your life? So it came from me. I mean, you didn't ask for it. You're like, oh, you didn't say, let's do do. You're right, like, what? Right, right. I, no, right. let's do. I mean, there's a lot. And I'm very thankful you did that too. Yeah. So it was, it was, it's amazing. I mean, the, j- to to listen to the adventures of Deuce is I call it the the, the script we have now is an offbeat adventure. I I call it Big Lebowski with black people, and it's like that's the easiest way to to kind of encapsulate it. And uh, we came to that just because we would have these writing sessions. I was like, all right, tell me tell me your life, man. <laughs> he would just tell me and tell me and tell me, and he would write things that he'd think would be important important and and i we were just trying to put it together and so then i would i'd write the script and i'd give it to him and he'd give me notes and then i'd write the script i'd rewrite the script and he'd give me notes and he's like no i think we need to do this and this and this and this and that's how it came about and what we ended up developing was just this amazing set and cast of characters and we we've talked about it often that deuce is more than a single movie even though we wrote a script for a, a feature deuce is a an intellectual property, the 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 universe of Deuce, like 
like Star Wars or Star Trek or like Lord of the Rings. Like Deuce is more than just this movie. So now what we did is we we got it to a feature and then I got it to a line producer and he ran a budget and schedule. And it came out to be like a $3 million film. And he's like, you know, it would be easier if you scaled this down from three locations of three cities to one city and instead of 40 speaking roles maybe 20 speaking roles and made this a one million dollar film a one million dollar dollar film is easier to get funding for than a three million dollar film and i thought all right so that i mean that's where we are right now but we have these amazing characters based on people that guy knew and guy himself but it's very much Deuce, Deuce is is his own person. He's not guy, and but it's at the same time we can we we dive back into what what guy's life is and uh, and and how he got to where he is to build to help build the universe. You know, it's the it's the Deuce universe. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, man. Uh, but like I said, I appreciate you doing that because. That uh that brought forth a lot of things, man. You know, by by you doing that, I don't think I've ever told you that, man. So by you just doing that, that just showed me that showed me a difference, man. Nobody ever did that. That and that just made me a believer. You know, that's one thing that I think they can change a lot of people. If you if you show some if you show some somebody that they can believe in, then they'll start acting differently. They'll start reacting to stuff differently. So I truly appreciate that, man. And that story will get told, man. The Washington State is where everything happened. Tacoma, Washington, be, uh, be Tacoma, Lakewood, Puyallup, um, that whole area, and all the way to Cal State San Bernardino, man. So that 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 story definitely definitely be told, and it it, it can branch off to a whole bunch of stories from that, because uh, there's a lot of people in that story that played a huge role, yeah, in who Deuce Deuce is. So it's just. Man, but the story is uh so right now, like I said, man, uh this is a it's an honor, man, and I'm thankful for it. But I just don't when I explain people to it, I don't want people to think that I get big headed over it because it ain't it ain't nothing like that, man. I I'm very thankful. It could be anybody, but everybody got a story, man. Like I said, we all go through the same shit, man. It's just different. And that's why I'm really fond of your storytelling shows, man, because I'm really digging that, man. Like yeah. I'm really digging that. I think uh, I think that might be the new rave because, I mean, like I said, a lot of people were kept in, man. So I figured a lot of people would love to come tell stories, especially if you're not getting judged on it. So it could be, like a, it could be any story. It could be a, 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 you can get any emotion. You can make people cry. You can make people laugh. Make people think. Yeah. You know. So, I think that is. Yeah, I definitely would love to be a part of that, man. So, and Let's- you say. I was going to say that um, early on, five, six years ago, I was I was interviewing. We were in, we were doing kind of a documentary setup for what Deuce was and what, what the movie was going to be in, in this world. And in the you could see it on YouTube on my channel. Guys like, you know, we're married. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm never leaving you and you're never leaving me, man. We're working this out. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how it is, man. Anything. So, Anything I do, man, you always got got I always got you in mind, man. And anything you do, I hope you got me in mind, whether I say yes or no. But yeah, that's pretty much how it is, man. You, we didn't build a relationship. I yeah. don't think you realized that when you wrote that script. <laughs> no, no, and and through that script, it's been it's been amazing. I love writing about things that I don't know, 
you know, and having and learning and, and seeing where the similarities are and where the difference is. And I remember just sitting down having these writing sessions where I'm going, but how did you get from point A to point B? I don't understand how, how have you not paid rent in five months? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> I don't, that's not a world that I live in. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, yeah. and so yeah, I mean, I, I the best compliment I was I was sharing Deuce with with people that I was re, um, being around, and there was a guy from from Miami, and he was kind of from the slums of Miami, and I was telling him some stories that happened in Deuce, and he looks at me and he goes, "He told you that? <laughs> like, that's why these stories need to be." that need to come out because there are things, there are lives that people live that we never hear about. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And Deuce represents that. And some of the, those be the best stories, man. And that's why I can't understand why Hollywood ain't tapped into it yet, but well, it's hard because yeah. you know, where they, they, where they, they keep can't. the black people. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, man. Just, Oh, just, man, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. That, that is full circle right there, man. So yeah, uh, but it's it's definitely other things that uh with with, with Deuce man uh, it was uh a lot of things can come from that man uh because we were talking about if we was in, you know we were talking about making it if if things can get suspenseful a thriller or even a family you know uh uh all different type of ways of of trying to bring the elements of Deuce out I think I think like I said it's Deuce and everyone man Every, everybody go through obstacles through their journey of life and yeah. you know that's one thing deuce is is, is you know he has, he goes through a lot of obstacles but he, he overcomes them some way somehow and you know other people just don't believe it <laughs> yeah like damn man how did you even do that how did you even work that out i ain't even see that one coming like, how did you even get way out here so it's just yeah man uh so it will get finished man um but you can check that out man on uh what was the the uh, the animated version? My yeah. parents, hey, my family Storyboard loved trailer. that. My 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 family loved that one, man. They they definitely said stick with you. They said yeah. stick with this man. This man's going somewhere, man. This is the one you need to stick so with. So I was it's a funny story about the this. He's talking about the storyboard trailer, which is on my YouTube channel. Um, I was pitching it. I was pitching this story around, and I, I'm white, <laughs> and. <laughs> Like I'm going and and people are looking at me like, did you just appropriate this black man's life? Like, did you just steal this guy's story? And are you trying and 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 guy doesn't he wasn't pitch ready, like he wasn't ready to be in, in the room. And I was saying to him, I like, I don't know how we're gonna get farther because I look like I'm a scammer if you're not in the room. And he lives in a different city than I do, and we were trying to figure that out. And I said, well, what if I just make a, a storyboard trailer? What if I use animation stills, and I have, I have an artist draw animations of these, these points, these scenes, and then I hire voice actors to play those parts, and then we can, we can pitch the story without us being in the room, without me having to pitch the story. And that's how the storyboard trailer came about. And uh, it's a great representation of the characters, whether or not we get to tell the offbeat adventure version or we get to tell a different part of it. Or, but the, it is definitely the deuced universe. You get a feel for the flavor of who these people are. 
Definitely, definitely, man. Blunt for the podcast radio. Probably about to listen to that trailer right about now. Mr. Ashley, you have a talent. You have a voice. A voice that needs to be heard. This guy's great. I keep taking the stereo. He keeps getting more shit. Get the amps out the trunk. During the day, on the street, that guy's watching us. He ain't gonna say shit. Stop talking. Pull those amps. I got into the medic program at Fort Lewis. Where? Tacoma, Washington. Are there even black people there? Come with me. What would I do there? What are you doing here? Don't sit on this, Deuce. This is an opportunity. Shh. Damn, yo. Quiet. We're gonna get paid. Get paid from whom? Don't worry about it. Just do what I say. The shotgun is in the trunk. The shotgun? You got some weed? <laughs> I will when we're done. No safety? <sighs> you better the trigger and close and no damn safety? <clears throat> You're gonna get me killed. This is stupid. What's with the clothes? Forget it. I'm out. Is this jacket worth your life? Are we fighting? Because if we find one of us going to have to die. This is Chicago. Deuce! This is not Chicago! Shit. Think you're lucky it ain't. I know I am. <gasps> oh, it's magic! <laughs> Excuse me. Where you keep your black people at? Deuce might be cheating on me. Why would you say that? Y'all just bought a puppy together. He goes out to the clubs every night that he's not working, and he met this chick. Sinful. What? Sinful? Her name is Sinful? Mm-hmm. This shitty-ass cracker town Tacoma. Ain't no black people here. What's with this white shit? You homesick? What the fuck, Deuce? How do you keep getting chances, huh? Why don't they just keep you in jail? Why does God keep letting you fuck up? I ain't trying to hear that right now. You got any weed? What's the word on the equipment? Not yet. I fucked up. So what's that mean for us? I don't know, man. What the fuck do I look like? You Jesus? Man, what are you doing here? You are my partner. You ain't hard to find, tall, lanky nigga with a deep voice. Tacoma ain't that big. I want in. We make videos. We got two hours to get our shit together before people come. Let's hustle. All right, let's get started. The most powerful <sighs> form of storytelling <laughs> is to show. Don't tell. You know, it's different out here. You got birds and grass, sunlight and shit. Back home, we just got weed. Mr. Ashley has a voice you should listen to. Deuce, how do you expect us to live right if you keep going back to bad habits? Life is a rig. It's how you navigate through it that determines your success. Deuce is magic. He just shows up out of nowhere, emerging from the smoke. He's always looking for something. Someday, he'll know what it is. 